Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. So Aaron, today we're talking with a guy who is one of the most impressive brewers at a most impressive small brewery that while it's not in West Virginia, it's located right across the river from West Virginia. That's right up in the Wheeling area of West Virginia, correct? Uh, yes, it is. I'm talking about Hightower Brewing Company in Rayland, Ohio, and its founders, Greg and Megan Whiting. Greg and Megan, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Appreciate you guys having us on. We're excited. Thinking back to when you were getting this thing started in 2017, did you think it would be where it is today? I mean, did you really have a plan or is this kind of a surprise as to the twists and turns that the brewing industry's taken you? Uh, yeah, so every time I get that question, I try to think uh, I'd rather have like this mastermind plan and say all oh, this was an elaborate design. And uh, but that's just not the case. We really were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. I was an electrician at the time and work was slow in the area. So I was doing a lot of traveling and we got three little kids. So we just thought if we'd ever take a chance on something like this, I had a big passion for brewing. So we decided to go all in and uh, see how it goes. We just kind of went day by day with it. And Megan, with Greg giving up his job as a union electrician, that was quite a risk for the family. So how, how did you uh, fit in and, and feel about this development? I knew it was a risk, but it was probably the union job that allowed me to say yes. Um, knowing that we had a foolproof backup plan that had already been supporting us for the last decade, I knew that worst case scenario, he had a good place to go back to. Well, I understand that, Greg, you and Megan um, have a true partnership in operating Hightower Brewing. Can you talk about how you two divide up the responsibilities of the brewery operations? Yeah, so I, I do most of the brewing and uh, everything kind of brewery side. She handles a lot of the scheduling of employees and taproom management and planning, scheduling, ordering, all the paperwork that goes into running a brewery, which is substantial on top of running, uh, you know, being a mo mother of three. So we got three kids in homeschool right now. So she's the rock star here. Well, and, you know, operating during uh, the pandemic pandemic had to present some unique challenges. How would you describe your success na navigating through it? It was definitely challenging. I mean, in the beginning, we had to change our completely change our mindset. Uh, for the past few years before this, we had just been trying to, you know, figure out how we can get people up on this hill and got to the point where like last fall, we would be at maximum capacity on a regular Saturday. And then all of a sudden we had to flip a switch and realized how we can't have that anymore. And we can't have too many people here and trying to change that, I think was very challenging for me. Plus using new materials, like a new website we had never used was very challenging for us. Um, do you have anything else that you could would consider or put in the same um, realm of what you think your biggest hurdles were during this pandemic time? Yeah, definitely just switching over to running a website and, you know, thinking to go versus having trying to get people in here to sit. So, you know, luckily we were kind of already in that train of we were canning a lot already. So as far as getting beer to go, I think it was a little easier transition for us. We just kind of increased what we were packaging and started running a website where you can order stuff. And before, you know, we had just growlers at the time, which kind of ran into a problem on the website because, you know, some of our core customers would have 30, 40 growlers sitting at home. So we didn't really want to do a growler exchange program with COVID. 
So that, that led us to kind of getting into crowlers. So we had a 32 ounce can. We can, it's a little more disposable and a little more variety. You can get online at any time and order them and pick them up anytime during the week. And you guys recently made an, a pretty big announcement that you ex, you expanded your canning equipment pretty significantly. Take me through the your thought process on making that investment. Yeah, so from the beginning, we were kind of all for cans, you know, the cans versus the bottles debate. We're very outdoorsy people, so aluminum just kind of wins out for us, you know what I mean? We love cans that you can take them everywhere. So from the beginning, we've been big in the canning. And as we expand and as we grow and start canning more and more, producing more and more beer, at the time we had a very manual six cans per minute, maybe, you know, with four or five people. So now we're automated, we're going to an automated 25 cans per minute. That's going to take a lot of pressure off us, hopefully make a more consistent product and let us put more cans out. How's this new equipment going to impact your production schedules overall? Yeah, I think it's going to make things a lot easier for us, for sure, scheduling. Uh, a lot of times we're kind of coming down to the wire on canning just because it takes so much time for us. We'll be able to can a lot more beer in a quicker time. So that's good. That's definitely going to make things easier for us. So in terms of volume, how much more beer do you think you'll be able to produce this upcoming year for 2021? Yeah, our goal is to double our beer production from 2020. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Uh, you guys release so many beers in the course of a year. Uh, it's, it's an amazing uh, place in that sense that I guess, stop here and tell me in 2020, approximately how many beers did you guys release? Yeah, I would say we probably did 80 to, 80 to 100 beers, probably on the average. We, we, we try to average two new beers per weekend. We, once in a while, we'd have one, but we kind of generally shoot for two new beers. So I'd say 80 to 100 new beers in 2020. And what number or percentage of those beers would you guess it was uh, brand new beers versus rebrews of former or older beers that you brewed before? Yeah, I would say the bulk of those for sure, at least 75% of those are probably new beers. I would say 25% were repeat brews. But as we brew new, more beer, new releases consistently, we kind of find fan favorites, beers we love, beers that turned out great, people enjoyed. So that number of rebrews will definitely start to increase in 2021 as we discover a lot more of our favorites. We want to be able to make those again more consistently. Well, now I want to ask you both for your comments on this one. Um, which beers are you most proud of or like the most of the ones that you brew? I already know what she's going to say. So my favorite style of beer, anyone who knows me knows that it's the sours. Um, my top three favorite sours that we personally make are uh, pineapple upside down cake, which the double 8% version is releasing tomorrow, actually. Uh, cherry pie and then fruit cake, which is basically a combination of those two. <laughs> yeah, early on, I was kind of, I don't want to say anti-sour, but I wasn't on the sour train and she's we can thank her persistence for that. So it's definitely a fan favorite. I love the sours now and people enjoy the sours. But for me, it's the hazy New England IPAs. I'm an IPA guy. So definitely getting those dialed in and making those juice bombs is uh, what I'm most proud of. I'm curious, how do you decide what to brew next? Um, do you have a long range plan, a calendar mapped out? Or is it more of a spur of the moment type of a decision? Uh, yeah, so we're, that's one of the things we need to try to improve on. We, we like to try to go quarterly if possible and really kind of plan that out, especially with us releasing so many new beers. Every new beer is a new recipe, a new grain, uh, new labels, the artwork 
behind that. And so, you know, us paying an artist to make those labels, she needs time and ordering those. So we try to go at least three months in advance and make a good solid schedule. But there are definitely times where something will pop up in a spur of the moment. We want to brew this or that. and We're adjusting the schedule on a Monday, but we try not to do that too often. We really like to experiment. So once something pops into our head and we can't get it out, we just kind of set the schedule aside for a second and release something new. Well, we like that. Um, for your draft beers at the tap room, what type of mix do you try to consistently keep on on tap for everyone? We try to always have a lager, a couple of IPAs, at least a couple sours, and at least one to two dark beers all year round. Well, now inquiring minds want to know, Greg, what's your secret to brewing these great beers? And uh, let's start with your favorite style first, those hazy IPAs. Yeah, so I think uh, a lot of a lot of making bad beer and home, my home brewing days, you know, a lot of experimentation. And uh, I definitely think our water plays a big factor in that. We have natural fed spring water here that's very, very good profile for IPAs. So that's definitely helped us out. But yeah, just a lot of persistence, uh, a lot of trial and error. Well, how do you differentiate when you're making these beers between your single regular IPAs, doubles and triples? I mean, what is the is the techniques that you're using there that I mean, is it just like what everybody uses i don't think so because your beers don't taste just like everybody else's yeah so i think we generally kind of stick to double ipas as our base range that eight to eight and a half percent and throw in some sessions now and then singles and the occasional triple but uh yeah i think our grain bill is probably a little bit different than what most people use uh, we use a lot of adjuncts a lot of flaked oats flaked wheat and uh uh, kind of a specific yeast combination for our IPAs. And while I've seen pretty much every hop come through on your, your, you know, your beer descriptions, what are some of your favorite hops that you think are go-to that really give you that base of taste that you love in the hazies? That's a good question. Yeah. So I love Citra. She hates Citra. <laughs> I, use, I use Citra a lot, but uh, Mosaic, Simcoe, Nelson Savine, Galaxy, uh, Strada. I've been using a lot of Strada lately. That's a solid hop. But uh, yeah, I definitely like to try all the new ones when they come out. So let's move over to Megan's favorite, those uh, fruited kettle sours, uh, which uh, you were converted to. So uh, again, what do you think your secret? Because those on Untapped are your highest rated beers now. I mean, it's like crazy how, how good those things are getting rated. And um, so anyway, how do, you, how do you do it? How do you make them so good? Is that for you? I don't think so. I don't brew. <laughs> Uh, I think we both uh, we both kind of work together on that. We we both love love food, so I, I love to cook just as much as I love to make beer. So I think a lot of that just the uh, you know baking side of things. You know what what can we make? I think a big thing for us is if we call a beer pineapple upside down cake or cherry pie, we really try to make that beer taste like pineapple upside down cake or cherry pie. So I think that's a big thing for us. Uh, just just maximum flavor in, in our beers. And before we leave the, uh, all the varieties of beer here, uh, I'm curious too, how do you come up with some of these beer names? Uh, that's gotta be a challenge with 80 new beers a year or whatever uh, coming up. That's definitely a challenge. So for us, we love series. So like uh, if we come up with a beer like Through My Lens, we've done well over a hundred Through My Lens. It's just a combination. It's the same base 4% sour with different fruit combination. And that lets us kind of quickly make labels you know it's a little easier for us because it does get tough coming up with names sometimes we'll get in a rut where we can't come up with a beer name for three months and then 
one night we'll come up with 20 of them, you know. Usually after drinking a few. <laughs> <laughs> so, Megan, do you have a favorite beer name that you guys have come up with or maybe that you, you came up with? Uh, probably one of my favorites is Hopewell Nation. Um, it's actually the, I want to say, I could be wrong, the tribe of Indians that used to be here. Um, shortly after we purchased this property, Greg was uh, digging and found a... Um, found a bunch of broadheads, yeah. old Indian artifacts and stuff like that. So. And so we did a little bit of digging, found out the Hope All Nation was here, and we thought that was super cool. It's also one of my favorite labels. Uh, Broken Down Dreamer is also another one of my favorites. And we like to involve people in the community as much as possible, too. It's one of the things we're super passionate about is we have a lot of people that come here from Augusta Levy Learning Center, which is a school for kids with autism, and a great, great program. So, like, we've been working with them for this abstract life series where we have the kids design the artwork for the cans. So we do 12 experimental IPAs, one a month throughout a year, and 10% of can sales go back to the school, and we get to show some amazing artwork that these kids have done. Oh, my gosh. The kids blew us away with their artwork. They were amazing. Well, you know, I know that Levy Learning Center was the charity recipient of the Mountaineer Brew Fest a couple years back, uh, yeah. and they were very high on that particular program, and we're very happy to support it. And I know they raised I don't know, $10,000 for them or something like that at the Mountain awesome. Fest. Sorry, yeah. you guys, you know, aren't able to sell beer in West Virginia. And, I know. But, or we'd have you over at Mountaineer Brewfest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Aaron, it's a shame. Where, where we're located in the state and being able to see West Virginia and knowing so many great small business owners in West Virginia, we'd love to be able to distribute. But, uh, you know, maybe that's something that'll happen on the road. But right now, it just doesn't really make sense for us. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question, looking uh, ahead and focusing a bit on the future. Your first few years have obviously been focused on your taproom sales. So yeah. looking ahead, will you try to expand your distribution or just kind of wait and see? Or is, there, is that in the plan, I guess, is, is the biggest question I'm asking. Yeah, we're certainly not opposed to some light distribution. Um, we haven't really needed to in the past, but doubling capacity this year. And as we hire more people, we want to be able to maximize that system and keep everybody working. So. Yeah, I would say by the by mid twenty twenty one, we'll definitely probably be doing some distribution in some uh, some places in Ohio. I'd also like to know if you anticipate opening a second tap room anytime soon. <laughs> that has been a question that we have asked each other and ourselves multiple times. We know that um, it would probably be more intelligence on the business side of things to open a second location in a more convenient area um but then it also goes back to like the original of like why we started this and the reason we started this was to be home with our kids more and to be you know to be here and so our question always goes back to will that change that and so it kind of stalls the conversation and then we've never really decided on that <laughs> yeah that's definitely something we've entertained we talk about it constantly whether we talk about it a lot before we did this expansion whether we should uh build and expand here versus moving off the hill but we love the vibe that we have up here we love that we're different than a lot of breweries and that uh we may not be the easiest to get to but then once you're here it's very quiet it's in the country you know we have fire straight trucks you can watch the sunset and there's no hustle and bustle of city life right well, I'm glad to hear it's not totally off the table. You could get into West Virginia that way. Yeah, that might be. <laughs> That's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> something we talk about, though. never know. Yeah. You know, Greg, your beers get such good reviews. Uh, not only my friends from Ohio and West Virginia that, that get up there more than I do, 
love them, but uh, I mean, untapped, uh, you, you just, you're killing it. Uh, it's amazing what a small, uh, I guess still five barrel brew house system is, is doing. Uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing to me. And we, what I'm curious about with you now is because you seem to have done all these things so well, is there anything left for you to master? I mean, are there some specific beer styles that you still want to, you know, do and do better? That's a very good question. Uh, yeah, so I'd love to get more into a barrel aging program, uh, a much more extensive barrel aging program with bigger uh, stouts. But uh, right now we're just kind of limited on space. You know, we have about 16 barrels going at once right now, but walking around, get back here is getting a little tough. So until we have some more space, I don't think we'll be able to dive too much deeper into that. But Well, as far as going forward, do you still plan about the same type of weekly beer release schedule that you've had in the past for this coming year? Yeah, absolutely. So we got the first three to four months worked out for this year, and we're already starting to work on our uh, four-year anniversary plans in May. So being that we're on this 10-barrel brew house, doubling capacity next year, that's certainly going to mean a little bit less releases just because of the more quantity of beer. We got a little bit less fermenters. They're just much larger. But uh, yeah, we definitely want to continue at least uh, a one new beer release a week if possible. If you could uh, tell me about how you have an online ordering system now for your beer releases. Okay, so usually the night before we um, put on whatever's coming out the next day. Usually right after we close, we put the, put the, uh, the beer on the website and you're able to order your limit of four packs and know that they're gonna be here when you come and pick them up. And so you can pay for them like with credit card ahead of yep. time? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can even um, select curbside pickup as an option. And then you give us a call when you're here and we'll bring it out to your vehicle for you. Fantastic. That's very convenient. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think uh, people that don't know you and don't know the brewery firsthand uh, would be curious as to hear you tell the story about how the brewery got its name. <laughs> yeah, so I, when I was an electrician, uh, say 10 or 12 years ago, when I first started, one of the very first jobs I was on, I uh, told the foreman my name, and he didn't think that was fitting for me, so he came up with uh, Hightower, and he started calling me Hightower because I was tall, so it just kind of stuck, and a lot of people just kind of called me that, and I think there's a good good bit of people that I know that still don't even know my real name, so we kind of come up with a brewery. Plus, we live on top of a hill here. There's big cell towers across the way. A lot of people think that's it, so it just kind of worked out. Yeah, so I, I think, aren't you about six, seven, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. I'm drinking <laughs> the older I get, but yeah, around there. <laughs> you are the high tower. Well, that's cool because I don't think everybody knows it's not just because you're up on top of a hill that you're a high tower. You're a, it's the, it's Greg Whiting's nickname, which is, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yep. Uh, and you guys were really early on in, in, in one sense to the New England IPA style. Uh, you yeah. kind of got into that pretty pretty soon after you opened, I think. What, yeah, what, definitely. Yeah. I mean, what told you that was a, the way to go? And it certainly worked out well for you. Yeah, so I uh, I was big into West Coast IPAs when we first opened, and I still love them. But, uh, yeah, I just got – I knew some people in the New England kind of region and started trading some beer with some people up there and had some of the, the – Infamous beer, not infamous, but some of the original beers from uh, you know up in that area, Vermont and Hetty Topper and stuff like that. And I just kind of fell in love with that style, and 
I thought that was unique and different and much more approachable and drinkable. And uh, it just fit my palate. So I loved it and kind of dove in on making it my own and, you know, and going from there. Hey, and again, we're uh, talking with Greg and Megan Whiting of Hightower Brewing Company in Rayland, Ohio. Uh, Aaron, do you have anything else you'd like to cover today? Uh, I think we've covered a good list of questions. I like that you stick with your hazy IPAs. That's definitely one of my favorite styles, but I really like sours too, so I won't, I, I won't pick a side. <laughs> yeah, those like are throw some sour IPAs in there every now and then too. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you've, you've done the stouts. You've even had the barrel-aged stouts. I know you said you'd like to do more of those, but you had a good barrel-aged stout the last time I was there. So I forget the name of, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, before we close this out, I was one thing came to me, uh, the percentage of beers that you do draft versus cans, and I think with the cans new system, that can percentage is going to go up even higher probably. Yeah, so I think we probably can and we'll continue to can at least 75% of each batch we do. That's kind of just been our motto from the beginning. I, once we get into crowlers now, we maybe we'll do a little bit more draft on some beers, especially repeat beers, but all new beers, we'll, we try to can 75% of the batch at least just to get a couple half barrels on tap for people and uh, we, we enjoy the cans. So. And uh, some of your beer does still get distributed to some local bars or restaurants. Is that not correct? Uh, we haven't been able to distribute in uh, probably the past 10 to 12 months at all. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, we kind of had to pull out of some places, especially. Uh, I'd say well, really, once yeah. the pandemic hit, a lot of our like keg sales and keg distribution, unfortunately, had to stop because most of the places weren't allowed to serve from their taps or they didn't have the capability of making it to go. So a lot of our keg distribution stopped when once the pandemic started. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, keg business. Uh, in, distro in 2021, I think we might want to branch out a little bit and hit some of the bigger places like get our beer out into Columbus. So where there's a lot of people that maybe haven't had high tower yet. So one of the hot topics of beer today too is local and local ingredients or uh, is that something that you guys has, have had a chance to, to play around with some incorporating any local ingredients in your beers? Yeah, we try to use uh, as much local stuff as possible. I mean, uh, my, my father's actually has honeybees. So uh, we use local honey all the time from him. And uh, another friend of ours and customer does maple syrup. He makes his own maple syrup. So we use a lot of that syrup and uh, we, try, we try to use local as much as possible. Yeah, and uh, I heard you say you use, a, I think, a local artist for yeah. your label work. Talk about yeah. uh, that relationship a little. Yeah, her name's uh, Abby Wilson. She's a local art, art teacher. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she does a phenomenal job for us, and uh, she's very patient because we really don't usually know what we want. So we uh, throw an idea at her, and then she comes back at us, and it's always amazing. Yeah, we, keep, we keep her busy with labels. She's usually <laughs> 10 to 15 deep on working. I'm well, sure she you. loves every second of it too. Yeah, she enjoys it. <laughs> well, I, I love what you're doing. And I think uh, obviously the market loves what you're doing. And uh, all of your West Virginia fans, especially those up in the Northern Panhandle, uh, love going over and picking up your beers at releases or, you know, and I think once we get through this pandemic, getting back and sitting in that tap room too and enjoying your, your it's a yeah. great experience. And appreciate yeah, it. 
No problem. Yeah, we're hoping in 2021 to continue to improve on the experience up here too. We'd like to get some a little more shelter in our outdoor area and uh, maybe a little bit more seating in some spaces. So we'll continue to work on some stuff like that this year. Yeah, uh, well, we'll be watching for it. I know you do a great job on Facebook, social media, people that want to know more about Hightower. Just get on your, your Facebook page and you'll see all the releases, everything new and what's going on. Yep. We're constantly creating events for every release we have. So people can know ahead of time what's coming up. Are you all exclusively on Facebook or do you have Instagram and Twitter yeah, as we well? Have Instagram too. We're actually probably a little more active on Instagram. So if you, if okay. you have Instagram, definitely follow us on there. And uh, you said your fourth anniversary, that's coming up, what, in May or? Yeah, third weekend in May, I think. Any other events that you guys uh, if plan maybe later in that in next year? Well, not later, but earlier is one of my favorite things. <laughs> so we started it last year and we plan to do it every year. Uh, we call it the Sour Bowl. So the first weekend in February, we release uh, four brand new sours and kind of put them up against each other as a little competition to see what's everybody's favorite. It was a really fun day last year and I'm hoping it can be a really fun day this year too. Sounds great. We'll be looking forward to it. Um, Megan, Greg, thanks again for joining us on West Virginia Beer Roads uh, this day. And uh, Aaron, thank you for your help and questions. And uh, I think we've come to the end and looking forward to uh, getting up there to Hightower before long, let's hope. Thank you. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.